0: Welcome to the Assurology Show, a growth hacker's guide to human capital management with your host, Mike Vinoy. Each week, we bring you experts in human resources, employment law, accounting, benefits planning, and more to build productive organizations. You'll gain practical guidance for your business. You'll be alerted to the latest news and megatrends that impact small and mid-sized companies. We'll give you the hands-on information you need to stay compliant with ever-changing employment laws, the strategies you need to win the war for talent, and much more, so you can focus on what you do best, growing your business. Enjoy the show.
1: Maximizing ChatGPT GPT for HR, mitigating the risk but boosting productivity. I am Mike Vannoye. VP Marketing at Assure, and this is a super cool topic for me personally. Um, there are, uh, you, you, you're living under a rock if you hadn't heard of what ChatGPT was. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't have uh, joined today's conversation. Um, uh, it, it is so powerful. I personally love it as, as a marketing guy and, and running a team. We use it. I love it. It's a great productivity tool. Um, highly recommend people to start using it if you haven't yet, and, and to explore how it can make you and your organization more productive, we'll talk about that in this discussion. Uh, but there's some real risks. There are some unknowns, but there are some known risks and things you just can't do or should or shouldn't rely, uh, data you should or shouldn't rely on when it comes to ChatGPT. And we really want to unpack that information, especially from something so important as HR compliance, laws are black and white sometimes the interpretation documentation support of those laws is a little more gray this certainly falls into that area but the laws themselves are black and white and you can't you, you don't get to choose which ones you follow so a uh, great guest if you watch the show regularly you know Brian uh Brian Shinker he's an attorney at the Long Island New York office of Jackson Lewis uh Brian's practice focuses on representing employees and employers in a wide range of workplace matters uh as well as preventative advice and counseling Brian has extensive experience defending class and collective action lawsuits under federal and state wage and hour laws. He has successfully defended wage and hour audits conducted by the U.S. and New York State Departments of Labor. And Brian regularly handles cases before courts and administrative agencies involving claims of discrimination, sexual harassment, and retaliation. Welcome, Brian.
2: Thanks, Mike.
1: All right, so maybe we'll just start out a little bit broad. My experience when I talk to people... Almost no one hasn't heard of it, um, but even those who say, yeah, they know it, um, and, and I'll, I'll start asking, well, tell me about how you've used it. And it seems to me that a huge number of people have dabbled. Um, some people have kind of backed off. They go, oh, yeah, you know what? It was really cool how it responded to me. But I ended up having to rewrite it, and that took more time than it was that it would have saved. And so it's cool, but uh, you know, not for me. There's other people who, who have really, I'd say, kind of sort of perfected how to use it, and it has become a massive, massive productivity tool. Um, but I, I, I guess maybe, maybe for start from your perspective. We're going to talk all about HR today, but you know, we got people listening to the show, watching the show. Uh, coming from all disciplines all industries what's your perspective in, in in the practice of law where are law firms where are attorneys using i, I think we're going to talk a lot about chat gpt but ai in general
2: yep so so yeah I, I think that it's one of those things that you know you don't want to be scared of you want to you know a, you know say cautiously adopt its use now in the legal profession we have some you know, requirements like attorney-client privilege uh, that can, you know, drastically reduce or limit what we can do with, you know, a, a program like ChatGPT, you know, given that putting, you know, client information or privilege information in there, you know, can cause issues, you know, we'll, we'll address them more broadly. Uh, but to the extent it's not protected, I mean, you know, we can analyze you know data that you know public data uh that's out there that might be relevant to a case uh you know it, it's very valuable in that right it can save you know dozens if not hundreds of uh you know hours of labor in you know analyzing you know and i won't say just simple data uh i, I think it's able to you know a- analyze you know more complex data as well that that can take a long time so i think that's one way uh, I mean, look. You know, in terms of uh, giving, you know, sending a simple email or scheduling uh, things like that, you know, it, it can be absolutely you know helpful. With uh, you know, just as we'll discuss, understanding what it can and can't do, which to some extent is something you have to you know use it and, and you know learn what what it can do and how it can refine uh, answers. So th- there are lots of uses, and I don't think the legal industry has you know, gotten to that point where, where we've figured out all the uses yet, or, you know, come to that point.
1: Yeah. And I can just say like, you know, give some examples, you know, in sales and marketing, um, a lot of, a lot of people are great salespeople, but they maybe struggle writing that, uh, that email, you know, even I hate to say a lot of people struggle with basic, you know, spelling, grammar and whatnot. Um, uh, or maybe they're good, but it just, they're slow. And so, for basic communications, man, it's awesome. And if you haven't tried it, you should. So, uh, you know, uh, put in a prompt, and in, in, in we'll talk a lot about prompts. It's really how to use it in the instructions you give it. Think of a conversation happening. It's the questions you would ask in a conversation, as though you are interviewing ChatGPT as, as, as a person. Um, and if you say, write me a thank you letter, follow-up to our meeting, the things we talked about were A, B, and C. Boom! Within seconds, way faster than you could ever type, you're probably going to have a really great thank you letter. Now, will that letter understand the nuances of that person's business? Will they understand the body language that you shared during the call or that meeting? Uh, Or maybe the eye contact you had or didn't have during that meeting? Of course not, right? So, uh, nor, nor is it possible, but for if you're a marketer and you want to write a Google ad copy, you want to write, you know, uh, uh you know, 168 or whatever characters for, a, for a tweet, you want a, a short blog post, um, you want an email communication, then man, great, great tool. Um, I will for sure say as a marketer, I mean, it still requires oversight, um, Uh, I uh, have used it for things like press releases. I put in a, uh, asked ChatGPT to create a press release about some upcoming trade shows we were participating in. I gave it the names of those trade shows uh, and said this year. And it gave me back incorrect dates and locations. So understand that it is really, really fast at replicating kind of what humans can do. And humans can get locations and dates wrong too, right? It's still, if I wasn't, dare I say, the expert in knowing exactly what the topic was, where, what locations, what dates we were going to be exhibiting at these trade shows, I, I could have just hit the publish button and, and look like an idiot, right? And so I, I think that's, that's where I, I would guide folks. Use it to speed up and improve the, the work you do but it has not replaced humans yet. It is not always 100% accurate, right? Um, One of the areas that I wanna explore with you, and I think I'll go there now just because we're gonna focus more HR, um, Mm -hmm. but it maybe involves copyright. I know one of the areas uh, uh, of use is engineers, right? So you could, as an engineer, you could literally say, ChatGPT, give me the lines of code that allows a service to do this. And it'll spit back that code. So I don't have to code anymore. ChatGPT gives me the code. I mean, I can say personally, I was trying to do some sophisticated stuff recently on uh, in Excel. I was doing some uh, uh, VLOOKUP, uh, had a combination of VLOOKUP and rounding rules uh, and, and a concept called jittering where you're, you're messing with data all in one big, really complex formula. I Googled it. Spent 10 minutes trying to understand how to use this combination of formulas. I'm like, what the heck? I stuck it in ChatGPT. Give me the formula that does this. And it gave me this big article that I didn't read because I could just see the formula. I just copy-pasted the formula. Now, that formula is a formula from Excel. I have no copyright issues. But if I'm an engineer building a software product that I'm going to either use to run my business or I'm going to sell this software and generate revenue off it and could be the foundation of my business. I don't know where that source code actually came from, right? Because it's coming from the knowledge base of ChatGPT. Before we jump into HR stuff, where might an engineering uh, uh, function get an entire company in trouble using ChatGPT for generating code?
2: Right, exactly. So... I think you pinpointed one of the potential issues with ChatGPT, which, you know, there's one issue with the information we put in, we'll we'll get to that later. But what we're talking about now is the information you get out, right? For instance, in your example of source code, that's now going into, you know, proprietary code for the company that, you know, they're they're claiming to have developed, or uh, it's going to go into, you know, uh, something else that might be copyrighted, copyrighted by the company. And so, you know, I think what the issue we have is that, you know, the information coming from ChatGPT is developed from its review of millions of websites, as well as its hundreds constant hundreds. learning from other information inputted by users. So you don't know where the information is coming from, which, you know, raises, you know, serious, uh, you know, copyright you know issues, right? Uh depending on ChatGPT's involvement, you know, a newly developed code that might have been run through ChatGPT, you know, it might not be eligible for copyright protections because you know, as the Copyright Act uh, applies, you know, right now it's the fact that an author, you know, it's works created by an author under copyright law and the author till now is, needs to be a human being. So you know, th- these things that come out of it if it's found that you know, ChatGPT you know, substantially contributed to something that you're seeking copyright protection for, there might not be uh, those protections. So you know, we need to make sure um, you're, you're aware of that. I believe you know, ChatGPT has a term in their uh, terms of use that, that basically says that they, uh, that while the user owns all input, that OpenAI, the firm that uh, created uh, ChatGPT, that they own the output, but that they assign it to you. Uh, they assign, you know, their interest in the output. So it's not definitive that uh, ChatGPT or OpenAI uh, have rights in that in, in that outputted information, but definitely something that companies should look into and consider if they're going to be using the ChatGPT output for things they'll seek those types of, you know, copyright or trademark protections.
1: So, uh, you know, folks watching, I mean, there's endless YouTube videos on, you know, what ChatGPT is and, and how it gets this data. Uh, we, we won't go deep on that, but just just know it's it's hundreds of millions of data points. And it's really what it's called an LLM, a, a large language model, where... It might not seem possible, but quite literally, what ChatGPT do, is doing is predicting the next word to say. And so based on all of the words that it's picked up across the Internet, you know, hundreds of millions of data sources, data points, uh, based on what you ask it or tell it to do, it's going to predict, okay, based on all of these you know, hundreds of millions of data points, this is what I think the best answer probably looks like. It does not mean that it's right. So uh, what's tricky here, and especially when it comes to HR, is it's like when you're talking to a person and they're going, um, and I, and they're not making eye contact with you, and they give you the the answer, I'm pretty sure it would be this, or it's probably that, you're not going to have a lot of confidence in their answer, right? But ChatGPT is going to look you in the eye and, uh, you know, Shoulders back, right, chest out. Look in the eye and give you a straight answer, and it's going to sound and come off sounding very authoritative, even if it's flat wrong, right? So just understand, all it's really doing is is predicting the next word. It's really, really, really good at that. But that's what the model is. Um, Let's let's maybe uh, as a as a jumping off point into HR, Brian. Uh, it, it was just last week that EEOC actually, it, it, you know, came out with a formal statement and a formal position on uh, AI in the use of, of, of HR. Why don't you unpack what that notice was from the EEOC?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, the EEOC obviously recognizing that AI and, you know, things like chatbots like ChatGPT are being used more and more, uh, you know, Went out and actually started addressing it. And really, what the EOC guidance uh, s- addresses is the potential for uh, discrimination with various types of AI in the workplace. And their real focus is on disparate impact, which, you know, disparate impact, uh, as, as we'll recall, is when you have an otherwise neutral uh, policy that ends up having in practice a uh negative a disparate negative uh result on people of certain protected categories like race or sex or you know disability uh so what the eoc recognizes that using these various types of ai whether it's you know screening uh tools for applicants uh that these can uh, have negative impacts in the, uh, recruitment, uh, you know, hiring promotion and firing stages of employment. So that's what their guidance really addresses. Uh, and, you know, what, a a few of the things that the EEOC says is that pretty much they, they tell employers it's, it's on you basically that even if you're using a, you know, a third party vendors software, and they're implement you, implementing it that if there is a disparate impact, a discriminatory effect uh, from these AI uh, tools, that the employer will be responsible. They'll be held responsible for the actions of their agents. In this case, the third party vendor. Uh, and so, what they the EOC suggests essentially is that you know companies. Uh, conduct bias audits. They, they don't explicitly, I think, use that term, but that's essentially what they're getting at. Is that number one? You should, if you're going to use any AI software, the EOC recommends asking that you know vendor: Have you conducted an analysis, and what was involved in that analysis, and what were the results? Because a lot of these AI tools, you know, GPT included, uh, you know, they might have implicit bias, which is not part sure. of the necessarily, you know, intended as part of the code or anything else, but that, you know, for instance, if ChatGPT is reviewing millions of websites and many right. of those websites have, uh, you know, what could be, you know, sexist material or, or various things, that that will then be reflected in the output. Or, you know, in the case of a screening uh, AI tool for uh, applicants, right? Maybe that that screening AI tool has been trained on predominantly male resumes. So it's, it's familiar with male resumes. And then it sees, you know, women's resumes, which may often have a gap in work for, uh, you know, for childbirth. That's right. And, you know, it might grade those lower because it's looking at a male uh, resume as it's typical as as the goal. So I think those are the things that you know the EOC points out, and that uh, you know one of the things they talk about is the four-fifths rule, which is not applied across the board by courts. But basically, what the four-fifths rule says is that you know we if if any rate of let's say uh, acceptance of applicants is you know, more or less than you know, eighty percent of the ratio we, we'd expect to see, four fifths, then that's an indication that the AI tool or whatever you know practice we're talking about has a disparate impact and should be you know looked into. Um, so really, I think this, you
1: know, this whole concept of disparate impact. I mean, if you if you didn't watch our show, uh, I think we just two weeks ago, a week a couple weeks ago we did. And we talked a lot on this topic around Title VII. Um, <clears throat> I think, for the most part, employers are aware of of you know just you can't discriminate based on you know race, gender, uh, etc. Right? Um, but even if you're not intending to, and you're unconscious that it's that, and maybe in fact you're technically not by the policy in itself, this 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 uh, disparate impact is that if the Result, the impact of your policies it is having a disparate impact. Then you're still just as liable uh, uh, for discrimination under Title VII as as if you, you know, as as if you did intend to. And right. I kind of come back to why I kind of wanted to define large large language model. You know, four uh, hundred ish million uh, data points that ChatGPT sits on. If you ask it to say, okay, give me a list of interview questions, it's going to give you a really cool document that is going to give you a list of interview questions. But if those interview questions include things like explain why you had gaps, uh, gaps in your resume, then you might, you might go under a... Uh, unintended waters where you could be discriminating, just like you said, against women who maybe had a leave of absence to raise their children, right? Could have been it could have been multi-year. Or maybe you're getting really sophisticated and you're not using it to just write interview questions. You're using it to actually screen candidates before they get to the interview process. Your software, your process is having a disparate impact discriminating against folks, even if you didn't mean to. And because the large language model ChatGPT is sitting on top of this massive set of data. If there is implicit bias in that massive data set, all it's going to do is keep repeating that. And ironically, if if you ask ChatGPT to write you an article on interviewing and screening talent, and then you publish that as part of the blog, that ChatGPT later scans, and that becomes part of its dialogue, knowledge base, theoretically, it's a positive feedback loops that that these biases get deeper entrenched into the platforms. So go ahead, Brian, you were gonna say something.
2: Yeah. And and I think, you know, it's not all negative, because I I think to some extent, too, that, you know, chat GPT and other AI tools, you know, in the hiring process, for instance, might help us avoid, you know, a hiring managers, maybe unconscious bias. Right. So th- it can be valuable, but I think the overarching theme is that it needs human oversight. Right. We can't just blindly say we, can, you know, we, we, can, we can't be found to have discriminated against anyone because we're using A.I. tools. And so it's just important to understand that those A.I. tools could have biases, could result in your company having yeah. uh, you know, an unintended bias. Uh, against you know, certain protected classes. So it's important to either conduct a self-audit or make sure that uh, you know, a bias audit has been conducted by the vendor you know, as to this AI and so that you can be confident that by using it, you're not perpetuating some you know, uh, internal algorithm that, that may result in bias.
1: True story. Two years ago, I'm driving at night through Central Texas with my family. Um, I got pulled over. Um, I was going, call it 72 miles an hour. Uh, policeman pulled me over and said uh, that, uh, hey, you're, 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 you know, you're, you're speeding. Do you know what speed limit is? And I'm like, yeah, 70. Google Maps on directions on my screen said the speed limit was 70. He said, no, sir, the speed limit here is 60. He, he saw it. He was a nice guy. He let me off. 200 yards up the road when I pull away, I see the sign, 60 miles an hour. The machine was wrong, right? And the officer made it clear that he, he, he gave me a pass, but it was my responsibility to follow the laws regardless of what the machine said. I, I think that perfectly applies here. Now, the machine was wrong about the speed limit. I'm an old guy. I need glasses. I could have read a sign wrong. I could still be wrong. So it's the way to think about this is... The machine will help you be faster and more productive, but will have the ability to make errors just like you and I do,
2: right? Absolutely. So, yeah. I, right, and I think that's the key—that use of it. Right, you don't just, you know, rely on it. And we'll get into you know the various uses and HR policies, but. You know making sure that your employees understand that when they're using it right for instance the example you gave before right you know an email with certain information about an event that yeah it'll spit something back to you that looks really good is well written and you know natural but you know in the case of chat gpt it's a starting point right you know the I, I think one good way to look at it is, you know, ChatGPT can gave, give me that great draft, but then it's on me to make sure it's accurate and, it, and it's That's what right. we need.
1: That's right. It's exactly right. 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 I, did, I, haven't, I haven't stopped using Google Maps, right? Um, but it doesn't remove my responsibility from also at least glancing at street signs, paying attention to the traffic in my surroundings, right? So I I think, I think the same applies here. Use it to make you faster. Right. Um, But you still have to know the law and and and, and ultimately you're going to be accountable for for following the law. Okay, Um, let's talk a little bit about data privacy. So if I ask ChatGPT to write a a, a performance improvement plan, a PIP, because. You know, I'm I'm really concerned about this Brian guy working for me. He's slacking, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put him on a performance plan. So I tell ChatGPT, you know, write a letter to Brian Schenker. He's been doing such and such, and here's the consequences if he doesn't shape up. What what what? Thin, how thin of ice am I going out of, on? What happens to that data that I'm giving the machine?
2: Right. So I think one of the points you made earlier about how ChatGPT gets its knowledge, right? It, it both has, you know, they've scoured the internet and maybe even offline uh, materials, but on an ongoing basis, uh, ChatGPT is learning. Uh, basically, you know, information that goes in to ChatGPT, right? The questions or information that any user provides it it, while it might not be retained uh, by ChatGPT, ChatGPT is using that information to learn and how it's learning how to respond to similar inquiries. So when you're, enter, you're a user and you're entering information in ChatGPT, there are no guarantees of security, right? that It's possible that portions of the inputted information can be provided in some form to a future user. Uh, and, you know, ChatGPT actually states in their terms, right, that to help OpenAI provide and maintain the service, that you agree and instruct that we may use content to develop and improve the services. Uh, now, I, I believe there's uh, an opt-out procedure. I, I'm not incredibly familiar with that, but that, that's something companies can look into. But certainly one of the big issues is you know, the, the privacy and protections of information put into ChatGPT. So, you know, for example, um, you know, a company has a trade secret, right? Let's say, uh, you know, it's code, it's code for some program. And coding is one of the things that ChatGPT has actually been very helpful uh, with. And, you know, you're, you're trying to figure out there's some mistake, there's some error in the code, and so it gets entered into ChatGPT. Now that is a trade secret, which under typical you know trade secret law, uh, companies need to take steps to maintain the confidentiality of their trade secrets. So you know by entering the code into ChatGPT and then using whatever came out of that, has the company now waived its? Uh, you know right to call this code call this software a trade secret uh so I, I think that you know just as we spoke earlier about issues copyright issues for the output you know the the information that chat gpt gives you putting information in there right whether it's that source code it could be employee information right names addresses it could be client information uh it could be you know protected health uh, information for some, for some employers, that employees need to understand what the limitations are in terms of, you know, putting that in. Because, you know, not to mention, look, there's always, you know, what, there's the issue of what ChatGPT might use it for, but there's also just the general concern of we've put something, sent something through the wires to the internet right and would you typically send a trade secret out like that or would you right. typically send it in right. a you know secure uh, you know email you know message service so it, you know it that's that's something you know and again there's no one size fits all type solution for this because the type of information that any company is going to be using chat gpt might differ right so there might not be much concern for you know drafting, you know, marketing emails or marketing materials, but, you know, a company using it to help, you know, write code or, or, you know, research, you know, data point, there might be issues there in terms of what should really be put into the uh, the chat.
1: And I think there's two sides of that coin, right? There's, there's certainly the, hey, I don't want to, everything I ask or tell the machine to do, I have just fed that into its learning model so i'm so i'm giving i could be giving away uh, private data uh, potentially pii what personally identifiable information um, if i'm giving away information and i'm probably not going to be so stupid as to stick social security numbers of employees but if i'm talking about hey write a write a letter of uh, 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 of write a, write, a, write a letter to an employee wishing them well Uh, as they recover from heart surgery and I include their name have I just told the internet Have I just fed some massive machine that John Doe who works for me is 63 years old and is just recovering from heart surgery and could now become part of some biased knowledge base when he applies to some other job the answer is you don't know so here's the other side of that coin the bot also does not know what it hasn't been fed. And so if you have company policies, if you have an employee handbook, sure hope you do, we'll help you if you don't, um, it's not gonna understand that to use that as context when creating documentation uh, or performing analysis either. What, what more could you say about that, Brian?
2: Right. So. That's where I, I think, you know, the accuracy and reliance on chat GPT, it's, you know, there's always a risk that the user or the worker will rely on, you know, the wrong information. So I think number one, I know, uh, you know, we've discussed, you know, using chat GPT and that, you know, there it has the ability to, you know, if you follow up with questions and, you know, clarifications, there's a way that you can provide chat GPT with Uh, appropriate context, you know, where you get something that ends up being more accurate. But I think, you know, you know, ideally, like we said before, someone's going to rely on this as a first draft. So I think, you know, one of the uh, items we discussed in terms of accuracy is, you know, whether it's up to date. And while it's always learning that uh, I believe the information in chat GPT as OpenAI tells us, is only good through September 2021, right? So right. if you're seeking you know accurate information about something that happened since then, it may or may not have that information. And if it does, it may be through you know learning from users and you need to question you know whether it's uh, whether it's actually accurate. And you know even you know ChatGPT you know and open AI, they recognize that it may sometimes write completely plausible sounding responses Correct. that are either incorrect or nonsensical. Uh, no. But, you know, so you can't just, you know, blindly uh, rely on it. It's really only as good as the data set it's learned from.
1: Uh, yeah. And, so, yeah. and, and uh, so let me say this I, I don't want to completely trash it. So um, I, I absolutely agree with the EEOC's position. You cannot rely on it. For compliance. Um, it does not replace expertise. And even if, regardless of whether you do or don't choose to rely on it, you will be held accountable for your policies regardless if you're using uh, AI or not. So agree with all that. It's also pretty darn good. And, and you were just hinting at it. It will sound good. I tried stumping it. So like in, in, in our uh, blog post on Friday uh, two weeks ago, um, uh, we, we always share like local and state law and federal law updates. And there, there was an update, uh, in Arkansas effective July 6th, 2023, Arkansas amended its civil rights act to specify and had to do with hairstyles. So like at the federal level, there's the, uh, there's the crown act, right. It has to do with hairstyles and, and, and how that leads to uh, discrimination against uh, people of color in, in different ethnicities that, that, that wear traditional uh, hairstyles, um, in Arkansas, consistent with, the, with everything else that's happening. And they pass their own state versions of these, right, that are that are more fractured. So I just popped in the question in the chat GPT, J- uh, can I fire an employee in Arkansas for an inappropriate hairstyle? Because in my mind, it's just an uh, inappropriate hairstyle. Can I fire him for that? Um, and it was smart enough to say, hey, I'm not a lawyer. It, it gives me the acknowledgement. My knowledge g- goes up through September of 2021. Uh, but then it does go on to say, well, Arkansas is an at-will state, and so you can kind of do what you want. And then it kind of reverses itself a little bit. You know, however, around hairstyles, there's a little bit of nuance. It doesn't give me the specific legal answer, can I or can't I? Um, uh, so was it was it okay to use? I think if you weren't really familiar with the law in, you know, the Crown Act, and if you hadn't read the updated statutes for Arkansas going uh, in place July 6th, um, then it's a really educational article. And as a business owner, maybe uh, I own uh, and, and manage a golf course. This is probably completely new information to me. And, oh, that's actually really interesting. That's probably important context. I still don't know the law, what I can and can't do, right? So, again, use it as a productivity tool. Use it as a, a knowledge-gathering tool. Get better. Get smarter. Don't allow it to be the final rule. I wanted to explore... uh there's developments when it comes to unions, Brian. So I know not everybody listening works for or runs a union shop. Um but you know, we you and know, I've talked about this before. We've done shows on this. Clearly uh support for unions unions is growing. The shift of power over the past two decades is accelerating from employer to employee, uh, and then that includes support for unions. Um where do you know the the uh, Writers Guild is on strike right now basically saying, hey, we don't want this to replace us. You know, what? What? how, how should employers be thinking about this from a legal standpoint?
2: Right. So, uh, yeah, you're right. So I think if you are a unionized workplace, then, you know, most likely implementing AI in some regard, whether it's in the hiring process or part of the working process, might be something you need to, you know, negotiate and discuss with the union uh, because there can be pushback at times. So I, I think that the Hollywood screenwriters uh, uh, strike that, that, you know, shows us some of the issues that can come up with AI because, uh, you know, not only, you know, are are they striking for what we typically see, right? Higher wages. I think another one of the, the uh, big issues, uh, in that strike is the use of uh, AI on creative projects. Right. Uh, and, you know, I think, right, you have the, uh, I believe it's the Alliance of Motion Picture uh, and Television Producers, it's a trade organization, you know, representing some you know big entertainment companies, you know, they, their position thus far seems, you know, that they're not willing to, you know, address AI at this point. And you know the writers, to some extent, you know they don't want it to replace them. It seems that look, they might also want to be able to use AI and have permission to use it from their employers uh, as part of the creative process. Uh, and I know from you know the, the employers, the trade association side, there are concerns with an issue we discussed early, right? Copyright. If you know. How are credits determined if ChatGPT was used in, for some of the writing of a show? And can the material now be copyrighted? Uh, so, you know, it raises, uh, you know, a lot of questions. And so I think uh, unionized companies are going to have to deal with those, you know, with with the unions. Uh, and, you know, typically when you're making changes, like, you know, implementing something like this in the workplace, Uh, you know, it makes sense to talk to the union first before implementing any change.
1: I mean, I think that's probably the biggest guidance, right, is is include your union partners. This is a tough one because I I really, really, really believe that opposing AI, opposing chat GPT is kind of like standing in front of a tidal wave. If you are just going to stand in opposition... You're gonna get washed away. I mean, um, you know, I've, I've told my team, and I don't mean this in a threatening way at all. I mean, I love my team. Uh, either you or your replacement will use ChatGPT, and it's not because I'm not gonna fire because uh, I'm not gonna I'm gonna fire you. It's it's you can be ten times as productive if you use it. Note, I didn't say it's gonna replace you. It's you or your replacement will use it. Right? So it. Uh, I would just encourage employers, whether it's a union shop or or not, have an open, honest dialogue about this. Form an AI committee. On, uh, you, know, you can be a small company. Have a couple of people that take the charge. How are ways that we could explore this and use this? Uh, the war for talent is very, very real. We talk about it almost every single week on this show. Nobody's looking to just get rid of a bunch of people. Every entrepreneur is looking to how do we do more not necessarily with less, but with our same resources. How do we grow without adding expense, without adding headcount? How do I get a core team that is just friggin' awesome, that understands my company and our business and our customers deeply, and therefore knows the right questions to ask, the prompts to give, and leverage the tool to be amazing, not just how do I replace it with a stupid machine who can't do it as good as a person could have, right? Um what other what other areas do you think we should be talking about, Brian? For where, where places folks can get in trouble with ChatGT, ChatGPT or or AI?
2: Yeah, so I think you know one aspect to talk about is the hiring process, right? And I, I think you mentioned where ChatGPT could come in, right? You're asking you know interview questions or other things like that, uh, which can be helpful. But of course, if it gives you an inappropriate question to ask, right, like are they married? Something like that, that would be problematic. But you know, other types of AI uh, have been in use in the hiring process for the last you know, couple of years they, they've been developing. Uh, many of these are designed to you know, filter large pools of applicants down to uh, you know, a smaller group that can then be you know, reviewed by the employer. Um, so for instance, you know, a computer software auto screens, just like a human recruiter would, Using mm-hmm. you know, algorithms, other you know processing information to identify the best candidates, right? Uh, and so we run into that issue I addressed before, right? Is there any implicit bias in this software? Um, you know, it can be also be used to conduct interview for conducting interviews, right? There's software that can record, you know, video record uh, someone answering a candidate answering questions, and it can look at their, uh, you know body language, use of keywords, speed of their speech, and other predictors that, you know, for, you know, candidate qualifications or success. Uh, and one thing we've seen is that the first uh, legislation we've seen in the country, they've been addressing AI in the hiring process. So uh, right now there's, uh, Illinois was the, the first state Uh, to address AI in the hiring process in uh, 2019. Uh, It took effect, I believe, in 2020. But, you know, just looking at theirs for an understanding of what these types of laws might, might say, it's that Illinois employers must notify applicants if AI is used to analyze a video interview they participate in. And they must then explain how the AI works and what it's evaluating and then obtain consent from uh from the applicant uh new york city later this year will have uh, a somewhat similar uh uh, law though this law will actually require companies to conduct bias audits to ensure that whatever screening software ai uh, type software they use doesn't uh have um you know an, an impact like you know a disparate impact um so I, I think the use in hiring can be very effective. These are tools that I think companies should explore, but at the same time, it, it's all about understanding what the limitations might be, where you could wind up with problems, and you know, then you know, addressing those with the human element, right? Because uh, yeah. I, I think that's important to note. There's always a human element, uh, even if you're relying on AI for things, and so that will, you know, the combination of the AI and the human element and, you know, conducting an audit, perhaps, you know, that can put your company in the best place to use it, you know, I dare I say, carefree, right, without, you know, having the, uh, the concerns that, that you uh, might, you know, be going down the road toward a discrimination claim.
1: What, from, how about from an HR policy, what kind of what kind of policy should employers be writing and crafting and, and, and making part of, you know, maybe it's employee orientation, maybe it's de- dedicated training sessions on it, uh, handbook? Maybe speak to how, how employers should think from a policy perspective.
2: Yeah. So, absolutely, companies should have policies that address uh, AI and chat GPT, right? Ignoring the problem doesn't make it go away. I, I think there's some person, right. uh, some uh, statistic that 43% of workers have used ChatGPT for work and I believe it's something like 70% of those have done so without the knowledge of their employer. So, you know, at, at the outset a company needs to decide are we adopting technology or are we saying no to it? And, you know, there you know, your policy is going to be dictated by what level you're going to permit employees to actually use AI, because as we've discussed, there are a lot of benefits to it. Uh, we don't want this this to come off as, you know, we're, we're you know trying to scare you away from these tools. No, they're, they're very effective when, when used appropriately. Yep. Uh, so the company should take a written position. And, you know, and this policy can very well go in the handbook, but it should take a position on what you know, AI can be used and you know, what it can be used for. Uh, so you know, that, that's the key, right? You know, identifying what AI, whether it's chat GPT or other uh, AI tools are acceptable to use. And even going farther and more detailed than that, what departments, what job classifications are allowed to use it? And maybe even getting you know, into more detail from that, what are the allowable purposes that it can be used for? So I, I think
1: right. a company, yep. So if I'm an entrepreneur and I'm sitting there listening to this show, I'm on my lunch hour and I'm, maybe I'm in the car and I'm listening and I'm thinking, okay, that sounds great. But I, I was up till 11 o'clock last night invoicing customers after I put the kids to bed and I left the house at four thirty this morning to get to the job site. Um, I'm not going to write a policy and do a training for something that's going to be changing five minutes from now how should how should busy executives and entrepreneurs think about you know this is going to change as soon as you create a training class or or, or publish a policy it's going to change so right. maybe just some practical guidance for how we should think about that because because I, I don't think we should like I'm empathetic to that pain, but yeah. I don't think that relieves us from doing nothing, so no. go ahead
2: yeah and my response to that would be you know probably the most important part of any policy, and the reason you should have this is because you know the policy might specify you know that employees need to get permission to use AI or report its use because you know if you don't have a policy if you don't address this even if it needs to be be addressed every you know 6 months or so right to be updated you're you're ignoring you know various things that could be tools to help your company and if you're ignoring it, you're you're also ignoring the issues that could get you in trouble right if you have trade secrets and you're not addressing this do employees understand they can't put a trade secret or that coding or, you know, some company information into chat GPT, right? Without that, they might be, without a policy, they might just be putting, you know, the, the, the company's, you know, best kept secrets onto the internet, and you don't necessarily know what, what's going, uh, where it's going from there. So I, I think it's one of those things you can't ignore. And it's true, these policies will develop as the technologies change. But a lot of what the policy is about is what are the permitted uses, what are the, you know, uses we're not allowing. And just giving employees this understanding of when you use AI, you know, you need to double check your work. When you use AI, you know, these are the issues that could develop if you just throw anything, you know, into the the chat GPT. So I, I think that you can have generalized guidance that will be applicable regardless of changes and then the specific guidance on you know which tools and how we use them yes that may need to be updated
1: you know what uh you you probably anybody watching saw me look away for a second there i'm winging this here i'm taking a chance on my other monitor here i just i'm in chat gpt now i said write an hr policy how employees should and shouldn't use chat gpt and in i'll call it three seconds it's way more than i can possibly read I'll just read the first paragraph, Uh, effective date, insert date, policy statement, colon. purpose of this policy is to provide uh, guidelines for employees of the appropriate use of ChatGPT, an AI language model within the workplace. ChatGPT is a valuable tool that can enhance productivity and collaboration. However, it is important to ensure that its use aligns with the organization's values, code of conduct, and ethical standards. And then it goes on to a big old list. One thing I think it's actually decent at, and that's awesome at lots of stuff, but one of the things that's pretty good is knowing its own limitations, right? And so it simply doesn't know what it doesn't know, but it seems to acknowledge things it doesn't know. And I'm just glancing through this, I don't know, maybe it's 500 words or something. It's more than a page. Um, uh, that uh, it's it, It's acknowledging, hey, you know, this doesn't usurp your, uh, you, you can't work around the law. You still have to know the law. You're still responsible. And I'm paraphrasing. Uh, but here's a perfect example. If I'm that entrepreneur who is invoicing customers to 11 o'clock last night and I left at five o'clock this morning to go to the job site, I'm working my tail off. I don't have time. It's not that I can't write a 500 word policy, but it's. I don't even know where to start, man, right? I mean, if I knew what to write, I could crank it out in 15 minutes, maybe 30, um, but it's a, it's really a three hour assignment because I don't even know where to start and it's gonna, maybe it's gonna suck, right? My advice, you go here, it literally cranked it out in about three seconds. Of course you should edit it. Now, a real, uh, an epiphany I had early on in, in, in my adoption is, Instead of you editing it, say, "Oh, that sounds great," but bullet four point two uh, change to this, and let it rewrite itself in three seconds instead of you taking five minutes. Um, but at minimum, let it be a productivity tool for you to, to, to create a starting point. <clears throat> Brian, any? I, I think I think we've kind of bounced around a little bit here, probably more than I would have wanted to, but I think I think we're highlighting all kinds of great uses. Yeah. But I think we've pretty soundly hit the. I'm not gonna even say limitations, there are some, but what the risks are and what you should and shouldn't rely on it for. Is there anything you wanna say in closing here?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, my, my thought on these is similar to yours, that it's something that employers should really consider and understand uh, what the technology is. And you know, even just by using it and testing it out, right? Uh, to understand, like you figured out how, you know, you can save five minutes of editing by asking it to clarify something. Uh, But I think really, you know, what it comes down to is just, you know, not blindly using these things, right? Acknowledging they have these vast pros that can really help a company, but that there are limitations, there are risks, and then, you know, putting that all together and coming up with an appropriate way that your business will use it. And, you know, I think the key that I've uh, mentioned a few times is that, you know, you really, and especially when it comes to HR, uh, decisions and issues when you're using AI, is that there's got to be some human oversight to, you know, either decisions based on AI or, you know, oversight on, you know, reviewing content produced by AI, uh, but that even with that, you will likely save time uh, by adopting it for, you know, various uses. Uh, and if you're not, and you're, your competitors are, right, you're, you're at a disadvantage. And so I don't think it's something we're saying, use it. You can, uh, you know, have a much, you know, ch- uh, trim your workforce. I don't think that's it at all. You're gonna have a more efficient workforce. We uh, have pain. the appropriate employees using
1: it. I, I'm, I'm just thinking back. You know, I, 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 I use the metaphor of this is this feels to me like we got people standing in front of a tidal wave and they're going to get washed away. Um, I remember when Napster, I'm old enough to remember that, you know, there was a day for all you younglings uh, listening that you had to go to a music store and you would buy albums and you couldn't buy a song. You had to buy the album. There's only one good song on the album, and you had to buy the entire album, right? Um, And Napster comes along, and all of a sudden, file sharing. People, you know, would buy their CD. They would rip it into this uh, MP3 files, and now all of a sudden, we're sharing all kinds of copyright laws. There's a legal. There's a a a a firestorm of legal activity, kind of washed itself out, and how music is distributed was fundamentally changed, right? Now you buy either one song at a time or more likely you subscribe to as much music as you want from whether it's Pandora, Spotify, Apple Music, and you pay a a, a, a monthly fee and, and, and listen to songs. It's the whole model changed. Music didn't go away. Artists still existed. Um, you can't. Do Napster anymore and steal copyrighted material. There's licensing involved. I think we're kind of in the early days here with with copywriting and you're gonna see the same thing as the AI gets more and more sophisticated around image creation. We didn't even touch on that today. Um, my advice to small business owners and entrepreneurs use it, man. use it. It is an unbelievable productivity tool, um, but much like Napster, uh, you know don't rely, you know, you could get in real trouble for copyright infringement, and there's some people that did. Um, don't rely on this as the source of truth, it is not. It is, a, it is smarter than your best friend, <laughs> it's smarter than you, has a better memory, and it sure works a hell of a lot faster and it doesn't take breaks. So use it, but don't bet your life on it, right? Uh, uh, treat it as a productivity tool, not the source of truth for all things HR. Brian, always enjoy talking to you. Everyone, thanks for, for joining us today. I'm sure we're going to do more on this topic. Uh, uh, as, as AI continues to advance, uh, there's going to be, a, a, a lot to unpack, uh, as we kind of navigate these post Napster world, uh, of leveraging technology, leveraging artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, in the application of the HR practices. Until next week,
0: everybody. Thank you. At Assure, we build human capital management software and services that help 90,000 companies like yours attract, develop, and retain great people. Our low upfront costs and affordable subscription model allow you to save cash to invest in things that drive growth, not overhead. To learn more about how Assure can help you claim up to $26,000 per employee with the Employee Retention Tax Credit, automate your payroll and build productive teams that are compliant with ever-changing HR laws. Visit AssureSoftware.com.